We indeed begin with praising and thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We begin with praising and glorifying and gratefulness, a hearts of gratitude to the Creator, to the Sustainer, to the Nurturer, to the One who has brought each and every soul, each and every one of us from non-existence into existence and who has created every force in this universe and created every energy in this universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whose name Allah is one of his beautiful names that encompasses all of the names by which people call upon the one who is absolute, the one whose existence is absolutely necessary, wajibul wujud. And we ask for his forgiveness for the wrongs that we have done in our lives, for the mistakes that we have made, for our errors, for our sins, our misdeeds, and we seek his protection from the consequences of them. Indeed, whomever Allah guides, there is none who can lead them astray. And whomever Allah allows to go astray, there is none that can guide them. I and you, we together collectively with the believers from the heavens and the earth and what is between them, bear witness that there is no absolute divine reality. There is nothing worthy of worship, no deity, no God except God himself, whose comprehensive name is Allah, alone without partner in his entity, his attributes, or his acts. And we bear witness that Muhammad ibn Abdullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad the son of Abdullah is his final devotee, messenger, prophet, slave servant sent to all human beings as a gift of love to all the worlds as God says in the Quran وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ and we did not send you except speaking to Prophet Muhammad We did not send you except as a gift of compassionate love. This is what Rahmah is. To all beings, to all beings, not just the humans, but to the jinn and to the angels and to the believers and to the, the disbelievers. He Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O you who have believed, be reverent of God as he should be, as he should be revered, as he deserves to be revered. And do not die, do not leave this world, except that you are in a state of loving, of willing surrender, a state of submission, a state of acceptance. For the Muslim, the preoccupation of his or her mind, of his or her heart is not when I will die. We all know we're going to die, don't we? The preoccupation is how I will die. How will I die? 
Will I die in a state of Islam? As Allah Ta'ala has commanded us to be. And Islam is not the religious, you know, identity that's printed on your passport or a cultural identity. Islam is what is, is a state of existence in which you are surrendering to the guidance of Allah in this moment. May Allah Ta'ala cause us to live every moment in surrender to Him. May Allah cause us to live every moment in willing, loving, longing, yearning, surrender to His guidance, longing for His presence, longing to meet Him. May that be on the best of our days. It is from Allah that we have come. He created us as spirits and sent us into this world, into this dimension to test us, to bring out the best in us, to teach us, to grow us, to cultivate our souls, to give us the opportunity to be elevated and to reach the highest ranks of all of his creatures. This world is our best opportunity to evolve morally and spiritually. This world. People ask, why are we here? Allah already knows who is going to go to paradise and who is going to the hellfire. Why are we here anyway? Uh, this is the great existential question. You're here to learn. You're here to be tested. And you're here to be a channel for goodness. And so in this short khutbah, this short message, let's talk about love. What does love have to do with it? What's love got to do with Islam? Islam is the path of love. Right at the beginning of the Quran, Allah Ta'ala, God transcendent and exalted as He teaches us a prayer. Guide us along the straight road. And so right at the beginning, we are taught that Islam, Deen al-Islam, is a path. It's a road. It's a way that's taking us somewhere. You don't just stand on a path. You walk a path. And so we are walking on the path, inshallah ta'ala. What is this path? Where does it lead? There's, a, there's an authentic narration related by Imam al-Bukhari and others of our great Imams. May Allah ta'ala have mercy upon all of them on the authority of our master, Abu Huraira. May Allah ta'ala be pleased with him. In which the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said that Allah says, uh, this is Hadith Qudsi, it was called a divine narration, divine tradition. Prophet Muhammad وسلم, teaching us what Allah Himself has said. Teaching us what Allah Ta'ala Himself has revealed to him, but in the words of the Prophet. It's not Quran. One thing, side note. The Hadith Qudsi are one of the fastest ways after the Quran, after the Quran, one of the fastest ways to engender love of Allah in someone's heart. 
Hadith Qudsi. Hadith Qudsi, you don't see Hadith really much about fiqh, about jurisprudential matters. When you read Hadith Qudsi, you, you don't see, may Allah Ta'ala give you drink from Kawthar and Zanza. When you, and all of you, mashallah, and everyone, when you read the Hadith Qudsi, you get overwhelmed by the love and the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't hear the names of tribes like you see in the seerah, the books of biography, and the books of Hadith Nabawi, the prophetic Hadith. Ya Bani Adam, Ya Bani Adam, Ya Bani Adam, Ya Yuhannas. This is the khitab, this is the address of Hadith Qudsi. It's to humanity, to all the children of Adam. They have their own texture and their own taste, their own flavor and their own favor. Hadith Qudsi. They have their own light, as Sheikh Abdul Aziz al Dabbal, may Allah Ta'ala have mercy upon him, mentioned. They have their own light that's very distinct. Anyway, in this Hadith Qudsi, Rasulullah he begins by saying, وسلم, that Allah said, Whoever harms an ally of mine, a protected friend of mine, whoever harms my protected friend, I declare war against that person. Meaning, Allah declares war, gives notice, gives an alert of, of war to the person who would dare harm one of the awliya of Allah. My teachers always used to say, if Muslims would just focus on this, we have so many strategies, so many plots and plans of how we can have supremacy and victory in political and economic and social power again, like some of our ancestors had over a hundred years ago. How do we overcome our internal and external enemies? Those who would wish to see us come to harm. If they would only focus on this Hadith Qudsi, when you become an awliya, when you become one of the friends of Allah, when you become an ally, literally, literally an ally of God, Allah will take care of your enemies. But we focus on political and economic and social and we, all of these things. We think that if we somehow initiate that we will come to victory. But look at how we are today. Look at where we are today. And so then Allah Ta'ala goes on to show us how to become one of the awliya. How to become one of the friends of Allah. Many of you know this hadith very well. But the hadith tells us what the goal is. The goal of Islam. What is, where does this path lead anyway? Is this religion just about getting to Jannah? Is that what it's about? Getting to Jannah? Let's listen to the hadith. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
he said that Allah said, whoever declares war against one of my awliya, I've, whoever harms one of my awliya, one of my friends, I declare war against him or her. And my servant, Abdi, does not draw near to me by anything more beloved to me than that which I have made an obligation upon him, or by extension, her, to our sisters. And my servant continues to draw near to me by doing extra acts of service until I love him. Until I love him. So right here, before we go to the, the next part of the hadith, the hadith has three parts. Before we go to the next part of the hadith, we see that Allah Ta'ala at the beginning is saying that if you want your deeds, you want your life to be beloved to Allah, first and foremost, preoccupy yourself with the duties that Allah has made an obligation on you. Now, a lot of times those duties, Muslims generally believe and focus only on those duties to Allah. So when they hear this hadith, they automatically think of doing the five pillars. Arkan al-Islam, giving the shahada, my, I'm establishing my five uh, salawats every day, I'm fasting Ramadan, I am giving my zakats every year, alhamdulillah, I've made hajj, or I'm going to make hajj, I'm saving my money to go on the quest to the ancient house that has been purified so that my heart, so that my soul can also become purified. What else do you want me to do? What else do you want me to do? But there are duties to Allah, Al-Khaliq, the Creator, and there are also duties to Al-Makhluq, Al-Makhluqat, to the creatures of Allah. And this is where we need to improve. There are obligations that we have to our fellow human beings. There are obligations that we have to our fellow co-religionists, our fellow Muslims, there are obligations that we have to the jinn, to the jinn. The Prophet ﷺ taught us that there are beings that we cannot see that are created from fire. We have obligations to them. He taught us this. There are obligations that we have to the Prophets, Peace and blessings be upon them. There are prophets, there, there are obligations to the animals. To the animals, brothers and sisters. Whenever my children see a spider in the house, there's always you know, a scream. Whenever I hear a scream, I know, subhanAllah, okay. There's been a sighting. There's been a sighting. Come kill it, daddy, come kill it. No, why are you going to kill it? Allah, Allah sent the spider to teach you something. It's an ayah. An ayah of Allah Ta'ala. Sanurihim fi al-alfaq wa fi al-fusihim. 
sanurihim ayatina fil afaq wa fi anfusihim hatta yatabayyana lahum annahu alhaq we will show them our signs upon the horizons and within their own souls until it becomes manifestly clear to them that he allah is the truth alhaq kill it kill it i'm scaring me no it is not scaring you your fear is what's causing you the agitation so let's take the spider let's catch the spider mashallah and let's put it outside this this the, the spider the birds the plants the insects they all have hukuk on us they have rights upon us this is where we sometimes we need improvement but when we begin to take seriously every day from the time we wake up in the morning to the time we go to sleep at night our duties to Allah as well as our duties to the creatures of Allah then Allah loves our deeds but that's the one who's seeking Allah the believer doesn't want to stop there walladhina amanu ashaddu hubban lillah those who believe are more most intense in their love for Allah they don't just want Allah to love their deeds which is what this part of the hadith says they want Allah to love their essence they want Allah to love their their soul their self and then Allah tells us how does the self of the human being become beloved to Allah by doing extra acts of nawafil and nawafil the word nafil nafila literally means a gift subhanallah when you say beta have you done your nafila your nafil what if your child understood that your nafil whether it's salah prayer or psalm or fasting it's a gift it's a gift it's a gift something we don't have to do so you you offer it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a gift of worship but even more than that doing your supererogatory your voluntary acts of devotion are a gift from Allah to you Allah doesn't choose everyone to do the nafil may Allah ta'ala make us among the people of nawafil who don't just do the minimum but who give gifts to Allah and receive gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we understand what these words mean we begin to see the greatness of this path the greatness of this deen and so our ulama again when we talk about supererogatory acts we're not just talking about extra salawats it includes that again when you say nafil people automatically people automatically assume okay we're talking about this salatul fajr sunnatul fajr sunnatul dhuhr before and after after uh, before asr after maghrib qiyamul layl tahajjud fasting on mondays and thursdays fasting on the radiant days the 13th and 14th and 15th and ashura and yawm al arafah this is nafil yes that is part of nafil but there's also nafil to the creatures of allah just like there's faraid their obligations to the creatures of Allah and when we are striving and become consistent 
in establishing and fulfilling our duties to Allah and our duties to the creatures of Allah and offering gifts of devotion and gifts of service. Gifts of what? Khidmah. And the word for service in the Quran is shukr. Gratitude. Shukr. Shukr. The ultimate, one of the ultimate expressions of your thanks to Allah is to use the gifts that Allah has given you, the blessings that He has bestowed upon you in the service of others. That is when Allah loves you. So the object of His love now transitions from your deeds, or rather we could say it, it, it goes beyond your deeds rather. And now it, you become beloved to Allah. And when Allah loves you, He becomes the hearing through which you hear, and the seeing through which you see, and the arm with which you strike, and the leg by which you stride. And if you ask for anything, Allah says, if my servant asks me for anything, Allah says, when I have loved him, when I have loved him, when I have loved her, I become the hearing through which he hears and the seeing through which he sees and the arm with which he or she strikes and the leg with which he or she strives. And if they were to seek my protection from anything, if they were to ask me for anything, I would give it to them. This is the maqam, this is the station of the awliya of Allah. May Allah make us among them. The highest awliya, Ibn Atta'il al-Sakandari, in his book, Al-Nasiha, he says, every person of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah is one of the awliya, in a general sense. Every person who says with belief, there is no God but God, and Muhammad is the messenger of God is among the general awliya. But we're asking that Allah make us from the khawas, from the elect of the awliya. May Allah make us among them. And then Allah says, and if he were to seek, if she were to seek my protection, I would surely give it to them. And I do not dislike to do anything more. And then Allah Ta'ala says in one narration of the hadith, and my servant, my, the believer dislikes that his soul be taken from him and I dislike I, the word and I hesitate to do anything not like I, and I hesitate to, and, I, and I hesitate and to Allah Ta'ala belongs the highest similitude it's idiomatic and I don't hesitate to do anything like I hesitate to take the soul of my servants because my servant dislikes death and we don't like to die. But we, you never truly die. It's only your body, your nafs that tastes death. Kullu nafsin So in conclusion, brothers and sisters, love, love, love. This is what this path is about. The love of Allah. Loving Allah and being loved by Allah, as Allah describes the believers, الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُ 
They are those whom he loves and they love him. In conclusion, there are in the Quran Al-Kareem, you can read from Surah Al-Fatiha to Surah Al-Nas and from Surah Al-Nas to Surah Al-Fatiha and you will only find in the Quran seven kinds of beings that Allah loves. And you know, I, I send my children, I've sent my children to Islamic schools and you know, they're always singing songs about, you know, loving Islam. I almost never hear them singing songs about loving Allah. Why is that? Loving Rasulullah why is that? Why are we so focused on loving the guidance but not the guide? Al-Hadi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the Quran, and we'll end with this inshallah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala mentions seven kinds of people that he loves. And there's nothing else in the Quran that Allah mentions that he loves. Isn't that interesting? Allah does not say in the Quran that he loves Mecca, or that he loves Medina, or that he loves the Kaaba, or that he loves Islam, or we can go on and on. Many of the things that we talk about loving ourselves. And I'm not saying that Allah doesn't love these. All I'm saying is his love for them is not explicitly mentioned in the Quran. Explicitly. And sarihatan. It's not. Who? Allah only mentions explicit love in the Quran, unequivocal love in the Quran for human beings and jinn who possess six, seven qualities. Allah loves the tawabin. Allah loves those who repent and turn to Him. Allah loves al-mutatahirin. Allah loves the people of candor, people of inner and outward purity who purify their bodies from najasats from filth and ritual impurity and purify their hearts from arrogance and conceit and showing off and envy, jealousy and anger that is not for the pleasure of Allah and in the cause of truth and expressed in a way that's within the generous bounds of Allah's guidance. And Allah loves al-mutawakkilin, those who place their absolute dependence on him. That's number three. And Allah loves al-muqsitin, the people who embody equity and justice, who are upright. But it's not just, it's not like Adam. It's not the justice of rights. It's a justice of reconciliation. Similar to what's called today transformative justice not retributive justice. And then Allah loves as-sabirin, the people who patiently persevere. And this is number five. And then Allah loves the muhsinin, the people of ihsan, those people of excellence in spiritual beauty, who worship Allah as if they see Him and know that, and, and if they don't see Him, know that Allah is watching them. And then lastly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the muttaqeen, 
the people of taqwa. If you strive to just be one of these seven groups through fulfilling your duties to Allah and His creatures and giving acts of service, gifts of service to Allah and His creatures, through one of these character traits, you will become beloved to Allah. You don't need all seven, you just need one. May Allah Ta'ala grant us success. وَأَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ لَلِي وَلَكُمْ وَلِسَالِي مُسْلِمِي وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُرُ رَحِيمٌ